Good morning, Origins. It is great to be back with you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, we have a couple things that will come up quickly this morning and, and we get to enjoy it. We're going to get an update from Pastor Ivy Rhodes from Mosaic Jamaica Plains up in Boston. He's one of the church planners that we partner with. Thank you for continuing to give so generously and sacrificially uh, through your giving. Uh, we were able to continue to support all of our church planters that we have pledged to support. We're able to pay our staff. We're able to do so much fun stuff. Um, this week also, we got to bless another local church plant with some much needed supplies for them to continue to function as a church plant. So thank you for being so generous and sacrificial. After Ivy's update, uh, we have a couple more folks from Origins who have volunteered to read some scripture for us so that we're going to worship through that. And then we'll get back together in just a moment and learn through uh, reading of God's word today. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Origin Church, how Hello. you doing? This is the Rhodes family. This is my wife, Allie Rhodes. Hello. This is one of our youngins, number five. This is Augie. And my name is Ivy, and we are just so thankful that you guys have uh, chosen to support us and be one of our supporting churches. I want to give you a quick update about what's going on in quarantine. We are in week uh, 10 10, of quarantine, which I guess you guys are week pretty 10, close 000. to that too. Um, we uh, are hoping that one day we can meet again as a church, but currently we're doing all online stuff, and uh, I know that's the same situation you all are in too. So we aren't unique in that way, but... Um, I would just ask you to pray for us. We're trying to work through what it's going to look like to meet together again. We hope we can do it soon, um, but most of the pastors I talk to say it's probably going to be closer to September before we can actually meet, if not January. So we don't even know what that means at this point. Um, and so we're praying through how we can use this time of chaos and turmoil for God's glory and how God can use it. So we also have um, four other kids, which I want to introduce you to and show you how they are making it through quarantine. Are you ready? Here we go. <laughs> this guy's happy. Here we go. This is how they're getting through quarantine. <laughs> Bouncing on the trampoline. This is our, uh, our daily exercise routine here. Yeah, yell out the door. See how they're doing. Go outside and jump on the trampoline. Go outside. So with that, we thank you so much. Hope you're uh, doing well, staying safe, and look forward to seeing you sometime soon. I'd love to come down there and meet you all in person. Bye. 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 Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, by grace through faith. And you were dead in the trespasses and the sin in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the son of disobedience, among, who, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were nature or nat nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind but god being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and risen up with him and seated seated us with him in the heavenly place in christ jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us, Christ Jesus, 
for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not our doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Welcome back. Uh, we are in week three of our walk through First Peter, uh, looking at just this idea of hope for the scattered. If you haven't been able to join us the past few weeks, uh, go on our website or go on Podbean and find the podcast. There's still the videos floating around out there on YouTube and on Facebook as well, if you'd rather watch. Um, but this week, we are in chapter two. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you the first two verses in chapter two tie very well into how we finish chapter one. We'll get to that in a minute. But I wanted to remind us as to why we are in this particular book. Uh, like we said, we've been calling this Hope for the Scattered. Peter is writing this uh, to believers who were scattered throughout modern day Turkey. And most of the time, I believe, at least if you grew up like I did, we read scripture sometimes um, and we go ahead and apply a tone to that of correction or discipline. This particular book, really not like that. We need to read it in a different way. Like we talked about in week one, Peter is addressing these people to encourage them and to prepare them. In week one, it was very clear that it was all about encouragement. He was reminding them who they were, what they have as a result of who they are. And then last week, as we continued in chapter one, we see that he was preparing them um, and just telling them to gird the loins of their mind or prepare themselves for the battle that is ahead of them. And this week, it's so neat that we get to see in chapter two that he's basically doing both. He's going to encourage and prepare. The way that he's going to encourage this week is he's going to tell these new believers um, who they are, you know, what their identity is. And then as a result of that, he's going to tell them what they do now because of who they are. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. Um, we'll go ahead and read the first couple verses of chapter two and talk about how they related to what we read last week, but then springboard into verses four through 10 and spend most of our time there today. So let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you for time. We thank you for loving us so deeply and so well. God, we thank you uh, for Jesus and his example that he's given us. We thank you that through him we can know you, we can be made right with you, and God, we can, uh, we can proclaim your name with boldness to those who need to hear about your gospel. Uh, God, thank you for continuing to love us, continuing to guide us, and continuing to equip us for the mission that lies ahead. We thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So chapter two starts out, it says, So put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into a salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Last week we finished with this idea, the last way in which Paul and Peter was talking about preparing these believers. He said, live like family. You've all been bought by the same price that was Jesus. You've all been brought from the previous place of not knowing him to knowing him. So now, since you're unified through this one savior, live like family, love each other well. And so chapter two, verse one, uh, it kind of continues that idea and it's saying, if you're gonna love each other like this as a result of the gospel, put away all malice or evil thoughts about someone or evil intent or ill will, all deceit, lying, not being truthful, all hypocrisy, saying one thing and doing another, all envy, wanting something that someone else has and not being happy for them that they have it, and all slander or talking bad about each other, just giving practical ways to love one another. And then, and this will shoot us in really well to where we're gonna start, and he says, like newborn infants, 
uh, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He says, look, if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, hearkening back to this psalm idea, um, then look, uh, long for more of it. If you've tasted and seen that he's good, look for that good. Want more of that, desire it, that pure spiritual milk. This is not an indictment calling these uh, particular exiles or these particular believers children like Paul has at times to other churches. No, he's just saying like a child craves that good milk. You need to crave the spiritual milk that is from God uh, if you have already tasted once that it's good. So go after that. And then in verse 4 through 10, we're going to read, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time today. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Today, the encouragement that Peter offers uh, these believers who are scattered out is he offers them encouragement by telling them who they are now. We have to understand that most of these believers had not been walking with Jesus very long. Uh, they did not grow up most likely with a Jewish heritage. Most of these were, were Gentiles. And so there were a lot of things that they just did not know yet. They knew Jesus. They knew that they had been unified to God through Jesus. They knew that they were being equipped through the Holy Spirit, but yet their, their identity maybe was not fully realized by them yet. So Peter is taking this opportunity to inform them about who they are now. And just like this applies to them, like we talked about in chapter one, it applies to us equally. Uh, we're scattered out for all various reasons right now. Uh, we did not grow up necessarily with a heritage that helps us understand all of these spiritual ideas. But either way, these truths are just as pertinent for us today as they were for them. And so first, I want us to look at what he is telling them or who he is telling these people that they are now. In verse four, it says, as you come to him, speaking of Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, verse five, you yourselves like living stones are being built up. The first part of, his, of the identity that he is trying to convey is he is telling them that you are small parts of something much bigger. I think for a lot of us, we walk around and we are under the impression that we need to be individuals, that we need to be our own person. And that's great. That's, that's wonderful. But at the same time, as those of us who are bound to God through Jesus, we also have to understand that every one of us, everyone, regardless of our gifting, regardless of our past, regardless of even our present, we are all parts of a much bigger structure. He's actually looking at them and saying, you're all bricks. In most circumstances, that is not a, that's not a positive comment. That's something that's often derogatory. But here, it's something good. He's saying you're all smaller parts of something bigger and something greater. God is using you each as individuals to build something. 
I think for a lot of us, uh, what we need to hear in this idea, this first part of our identity, is that uh, there are probably days where you feel insignificant. There are probably days where you feel like you don't matter. There are probably days to where you feel like your voice uh, does not leave uh, the walls of your own home or your own apartment or maybe the, the, even your own car. But here's what you need to understand. Because we are all parts of something bigger, we need to hear this. You matter. You have value. Even though you are an individual, you were brought from a place, bought with a great price like we talked about last week, because of these things and because of Jesus, you're part of something bigger. You may be one person, but you're part of something bigger. God is using you to build something, something great. Just like he was using them then, uh, he is using us now. He's not done. He's continuing to build this. As time moves forward, God is building something person by person, soul by soul, story by story, into something bigger. Something bigger. So you are part of something bigger. He says, you yourselves like stones or like bricks or like rocks are being built up. And so we're part of something bigger, but we are being built up as a spiritual house. We are being built into this spiritual structure, this spiritual house. Ephesians 2 tells us that that we are all now parts of this this holy temple that God is building. Throughout the history of God's people, God dwelled in person in the temple uh, that was built by man's hands and as a place to house the very presence of God. But since Jesus, he came, he lived, he died, uh, he ascended. Uh, After that, the Holy Spirit came to live in us, and now as a result of that, the temple of God is no longer a place made of literal bricks and literal mortar. No, now it's made of people. And so the temple of God is in me as an individual, but also God is using that as all of us collectively to build the big temple of God, the very dwelling place of God. That dwelling place of God being built person by person, soul by soul, brick by brick, is the collective group of the saints, the collective body of the saints. So yes, you are individuals, you are brick by brick being used by God to build a giant dwelling place for God, a spiritual house, a place that will contain the very spirit of God. And then it says this, continuing on this idea of our identity, not are, you, not are you just small parts of something bigger, that something bigger is the spiritual house or the spiritual dwelling place of God, but it also says to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Understanding also that we are not just those small parts, we're not just being built into that spiritual structure, but you need to understand also that we are the royal priesthood. And you're like, no, I've never heard that. I don't want to be that. No, no, no. What this means simply is that we have been given the task as a result of our identity through Jesus and only Jesus that we are now the very messengers of this goodness that God is proclaiming. He is proclaiming it through us, through you, through me, through we. We are now the proclaimers of this good news, this royal priesthood, royal meaning related to the king or sent by the king, priests being those people who take the very truth of God and offer these spiritual sacrifices, which we'll get to in just a second. We are a royal priesthood. In Hebrews 13, 15 through 16, it goes on to inform us a little bit about these, uh, these spiritual sacrifices. It says, through him, then let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. 
Verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Not only does he tell us who we are or inform more of our identity about now being a royal priesthood, but he tells us what we get to do as that royal priesthood. The first thing he tells us in Hebrews 13 is that we get to offer praise to God. Priests will offer praises. That is part of this spiritual sacrifice. Offer praises with our lips. We get to verbally say, God, you are good. God, you are worthy. God, you are worthy of all things. God, you're good. And we get to tell him that. And we get to tell others that. But continuing in in Hebrews, he also says that uh, what we also do is in verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Also, the other things that we get to give as spiritual sacrifices as part of the royal priesthood is we get to do good for one another. We get to do good for our neighbors. And, and in addition to that, um, we, get to, uh, we, we get to share what we have. So do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So we get to take out of the abundance that we've been given and we get to share. So do good and share spiritual sacrifices. Romans 12, 1 uh, informs us a little more about these, this idea of spiritual sacrifices. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This idea, continuing of this idea of spiritual sacrifices, says that, that our very lives are the sacrifice that we offer. So not only do we do good for one another, do good for our neighbors, share out of the abundance of what we have, but we even offer God as royal priests, as part of our identity, uh, we even offer God our very lives to be living sacrifices, not dead on the altar, none of that, no, but living, walking, talking, breathing, active sacrifices, saying, God, my life is now yours. Use it however you want. Take me wherever you want to go. Do with me whatever you desire. God, my life is yours. My life is yours. Use it. So we have been made into a smaller part of something bigger. We're being built into a very dwelling place for God collectively. And now we've been called royal priests. Those that get to praise God with our lips. We get to do good. We get to share out of the abundance. And we get to say, God, my entire life, it's yours. It's yours. He goes on to qualify this just a little bit. He says to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But we do need to understand this, that these spiritual sacrifices that we offer, these are not just good works that we do apart from God. No, these are, do, these are good works that we do through Jesus. My very best efforts uh, without the, the qualification and the validation of Jesus that is now in me as a result of salvation, my very best efforts would not be these spiritual sacrifices. But what has made them good and what has made them acceptable is Jesus that is in me, Jesus that has bought me, Jesus that has brought me from where I was to where I am to assure me of a future like we talked about last week. These spiritual sacrifices are made valid, made acceptable by Jesus and Jesus alone. And now after telling these new believers, these scattered believers, uh, who they are, uh, he's telling them how they are that and what to do with it. In verse six, he's going to reference back to Isaiah 28. He says, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Again, just like our sacrifices are made valid, made acceptable by Jesus and Jesus alone, he's telling us here that it is only through Jesus 
that this cornerstone is chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. What we have to understand is that Jesus and Jesus alone is the cornerstone. Cornerstone is not an idea that we, uh, that we use a whole lot anymore in construction, but back then what they would do, the most important part of a structure when they were building a building would be this, this cornerstone. This cornerstone would literally be placed on the corner of a building, and what it would ensure is a couple things. Number one, it would ensure stability. It would ensure that that building had a, a firm foundation of, of a sort. And not only that, but all of the lines would be based off that cornerstone, the vertical and the horizontal. Everything would remain plumb based on how this cornerstone was laid. If this cornerstone was not trustworthy, if this cornerstone was not level, it was not true, then the whole building would be unstable. The whole building would be untrustworthy. The whole building would be unsafe. But because Jesus is our cornerstone, we can trust that it is straight, that it is true, that it is level, and that it is secure. And so all of these things that have come before us and come before this idea, they're all made possible because Jesus and only Jesus is the only true cornerstone. There will be other things in life that will vie for our attention, that will beg for us to base um, our entire existence on them. But what we have to understand is that if our identity is that we are a part of something bigger, that we're being built into the dwelling place of God, that we are the royal priests of God, we have to understand that it's all based on the fact that Jesus is who makes it all possible, that Jesus is who makes it all secure, who makes it all safe, who makes it all right. He and he alone is the cornerstone. And it says, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Uh, John 3.16 would tell us that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have life everlasting or have eternal life. Same idea here. This Jesus who makes it all right, who makes it all stable, makes it all safe, makes it all plumb and true. Through him, we can have assurance. Through him, we can have peace. Through him, we can have safety. And then he goes on to tell us a little bit more, something else that we need to understand. He says, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. This is reminding us that if, that if we are trusting or if anyone is trusting in anything other than Jesus to be that cornerstone, that foundation, that safety, that perfect plumb line, then it's not going to be good enough. It says that it has become, instead of being uh, the cornerstone that saves, Jesus has become a stone of stumbling or a rock of offense because it is revealing to us or maybe to them uh, that their faith is not secure, that their trust is not secure because they have placed it in something else. And as a result of that, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. So if they choose to go another direction, if they choose to trust in something other than the cornerstone that is Jesus and Jesus alone, it says that they are destined to stumble because they chose to believe in something else. And this is important for us because not only is it, is it pointing to Jesus and Jesus alone, but it's also pointing to purpose for why we are a small part of something bigger, why we are being built into a dwelling place of God, and why we are the royal priesthood. We'll get to that in just a minute. And so then uh, he continues to build on this idea of the royal priesthood, going back to our identity in verse 9 and 10. It says, For you are a chosen race, or a set-apart race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
So we have to understand that all of these things that, that we are as a result of Jesus and Jesus alone, they are for a purpose, they are for a reason, and that reason is so that we may proclaim the excellencies of God who has brought us into his marvelous light. And it's also so that those who have placed their trust in a cornerstone other than Jesus, they can hear the truth that it is Jesus and only Jesus in which their faith must be placed. That it is Jesus and only Jesus that makes things ultimately and eternally secure. That it is Jesus and only Jesus who can make things straight and plumb. Nowhere else. Because see, priests were not called out to be priests so that they could be silent or so that they could worship isolated. No, we're called to worship together, but we're also called to proclaim truth so that others may hear. A royal priesthood, a priesthood sent and owned and working for the king himself. And then he continues to encourage in verse 10 a little bit more saying, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's telling them, remember where you came from. Remember where you are now. And remember, man, we should convey that idea. We should speak that idea. We should share this idea that God has called us out from being unknown into being known. Uh, we were called from a place where we had not received mercy to a place that we have now received mercy. All because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. And it's important to note, and I'll say it again, that this passage is not an indictment on anything that they were not doing, but Peter's taking this opportunity to say, look, I know that you're a young believer. I know that you're a group of people that haven't been following Jesus long. So let me tell you who you are, and let me tell you what you get to do now as a result of who you are. Maybe you've never been told that you are the very dwelling place of God. There's great weight there. Maybe you've never been told that from your mouth should come praise, that from your pockets should come sharing, that from your heart uh, should come just adoration towards God. Maybe you've never been told. Maybe you've, you've never been told who you are as a result of Jesus. You are all of those things. And in that, you can have security. In that, you can have peace. And in that, we can have purpose. The purpose of a royal priesthood. To convey the goodness of God, to praise God, to take care of others, to share with others, and to point people towards the one and the only cornerstone that is Jesus. And just Jesus. If we read this passage, um, I, I do think maybe Peter didn't, in mean to include an indictment or anything like that, but it should be convicting in the idea that there are those uh, who have rejected the cornerstone. There are those who have chosen another cornerstone, who have chosen uh, not to believe, and their obedience has led them uh, to, to stumble or to fall, to not be in the family. That should bother us. That should bother us that there are those who do not believe. It should stir, stir in the royal priesthood a desire to tell, to go, to speak, to share, to do all of those things. I think a, a byproduct of being renewed and being made new, being bought with that price that we talked about last week, being reminded that we are not our past, but we have been brought to a present so that we may have a future. Uh, one of the byproducts of that and the spirit that lives in us is we should have a desire to tell people who we are as a result of Jesus. Not so that we can brag, not so that we can boast, um, probably even contrary to that, so that we can brag on God, brag on Jesus, boast in Him, not on ourselves, but so that we may tell them, so that they may hear, so that they may know. 
It should bother us that there are those who have rejected the cornerstone, that there are those who are actively stumbling because they've rejected Jesus himself. And it should motivate us to tell, to speak, to share. I think as we go back into our workplaces, as we we go back into our hobby spaces and and gyms and things like that, I, I think we have to understand that, man, we have an amazing opportunity to share uh, truth with people. We have an amazing opportunity to remind people where we've come from, where we are now, and what God is doing with us now for our future and for His glory. If we accept this idea that we're a part of something bigger, just a small part, we accept this idea that that we are uh, the very dwelling place of God, a spiritual house, and if we accept this idea that we are a royal priesthood because of Jesus and Jesus alone, it should move in us, it should push us to be vocal, uh, to be sacrificial, um, and to be very intentional with what we share and who we share it with. It should move us. I pray we see those opportunities this week. I pray we seize those opportunities this week. Um, And I pray that God will use them. I pray that he will use them to uh, draw men and draw women unto himself and that we will get to glorify God because of what he's done. Uh, Thank you guys for for being with us today. Uh, We would love, like we've said every week, we would love opportunities to to pray with you, to pray for you. If you need anything, let us know. Um, And uh, we look forward to being back together again. Having said that, uh, we will let you know that we are uh, working on plans now to begin to meet again in person. Uh, We will try to get those out over the next several weeks and to let you know what that's going to look like, uh, what accommodations will be made. It'll probably occur in several phases. Um, But so so stay tuned for that. We may even send out a survey to ask you guys uh, how you feel and and what you would think about doing this or that. Uh, So be on the lookout for those as well. And if you have any input, uh, feel free to shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I'm going to pray and uh, just wish you guys a great week, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. God, we love you. Uh, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for the encouragement that rests in knowing who we are in Jesus. And God, what we're required to do and what you ask of us as a result of who we are. Thank you that Jesus is trustworthy as our cornerstone. Thank you that he is trustworthy as our foundation um, and as the one who makes all things true and right. God, I pray that we would be relying on him and him alone right now. God, I pray that you would move in us and that you would speak to us in such a way that we are motivated to share this truth that you have revealed to us so that others may hear. So that those, God, who, have, uh, who are actively rejecting Jesus as the cornerstone, God, they could hear truth. And God, that you could use that uh, to call men and women to yourself, to save men and women, to grow your kingdom. Thank you, God, for letting us play a part. God, thank you for calling us out from where we were placing us where we are and using us for the days to come. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.